Welcome in, everybody, and welcome back to the 11th episode of Bruin Company. I'm your host, Matt Brubaker. As I introduced on the 10th episode and the first installment of the VIP series, again, thank you to Sue Ramsey and Mackenzie Miller for just their time, their friendship, and from a lot of the people that listened, they really appreciated just the look back on the national championship year and just to look inside the program. I'm blessed to be a part of that. And I introduced that episode by saying this is a very special day, and it was. For me, it was almost therapeutic. Today's also a very special day, and this one's more maybe personal. It's a special day for Brew. Uh, I'm like Andy Dufresne today. It's July the 1st, 2022, and as I posted a couple of weeks ago, the photo of Andy Dufresne, if you don't know the movie, it's Shawshank Redemption, how he is wrongfully accused of a murder he didn't commit, finds a way over time, because time is really all he had, to escape, and, and he crawls through that sewer, and he gets into the river, and that photo that I posted on the old Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, he's standing in the river. He's free, kind of looks up to the heavens, arms up in the air, and the rain is washing down on him and really cleansing him. And it's just a new beginning. And today, July the 1st, 2022, I feel that way. Uh, so I'm Andy Dufresne. Ironically enough, a lot of the movie was filmed in Ashland and Mansfield, but, you know, different story, different day. But why I feel like Andy Dufresne is today is my last day in insurance. Extremely happy, overwhelmed, relieved, <laughs> to say that. Um, and I don't know if I'm happier about leaving insurance or where I'm going next. Uh, I accepted a job with the Ohio Sports Group here in Columbus, who are the, the official and exclusive memorabilia providers for the Buckeyes and the Browns. And I'll basically be getting to work with autographs. <laughs> How perfect is that? Uh, I'm going to be the business operations coordinator for them. And I've kind of joked, I'm already second in command, but there's only two of us. But <laughs> I just, I'm just so happy. But it's not been all happy. And I'll get into this and the point of the next, hopefully not too long, but the point of this introduction in this segment is to maybe tell a little bit more about my story and the truth behind this podcast. And really, the point for me to share this is this. I don't want anyone to feel like they have to send me any praise or send me any pity. Uh, that's not my point of this. I know a lot of people kind of share stories with an ulterior motive to try to brag or you know, to play the always oh, me card and I want you to feel bad for me. That is not my point of this. Uh, if you want to send me, hey, I'm really happy to hear about the job. God is good. Yes, he is. You're welcome to do so. If you want to send me something, oh, I didn't know it was that bad. I'm really sorry. Sorry, I couldn't have been there more for you. You can do that. But that's not the point. The point of what I'm about to share next is I want to help. I want to be, hopefully, like Harry Miller. Uh, to step out, to be brave, and to really just hopefully make a difference 
and let someone know that maybe they're not alone if they've been struggling. The other point of it is the foundation of this and getting through, for me, really the last six years and then getting to this finish line of the Ohio Sports Group, it's not about me. I really had nothing to do with it. It's about God. It's about faith. It's about trusting in Him and His plan and His timing. And although sometimes you have doubts and you wonder if He's even hearing your prayers, you, you have to have a faith and you have to have a relationship with God. And my point is to be able to hopefully help somebody. One person would be good enough for me. And I would also try to, with the story that I'm about to share, maybe allow you to find your faith. If you have one, maybe it strengthens. If you don't have one at all, maybe it gets you into church for the first time. That's the point. So I'm not looking for praise. I'm not looking for your pity. I'm good. I'm great. And I'm really happy to say that. So I told you in episode one with Porter as this podcast started, the idea behind it, you know the idea. Catch up with friends, share some stories if we're at the bar around some beers. Get connected again, reconnected with friends in a community that for me is very important to me. And I'm very happy that through 10 episodes I've been able to do that. And I'm so, so blessed that everyone that's done it has been able to make the time and enjoy doing it with me. And then it sounds like there's been a decent amount of people that have listened. And and I'm glad. I, I hope I've been able to deliver on that promise of starting your weekend off right. Hopefully I can make you laugh, talk a little bit about sports, and hopefully a lot about nothing. But there's been some times, episode four and episode six, where it's gotten a little deep, and I think it's important to, at some point, go there. And so I want to talk a little bit about Harry Miller and his brave, courageous move to share his story, why he was leaving Ohio State football. But really, I want to share why it touched me so much more than maybe others. It touched me because I related to it. I felt it, and to a degree, I was Harry Miller. Uh, Again, I don't want to alarm anybody. I don't want to scare anyone. It's just the truth. Uh, A part of the truth behind this podcast was I needed something to do to give me some hope and to give me some excitement with my life. And I needed something that I was passionate about to distract me from really the misery that I was in over the last six years. So I'll take you back. I'll tell you my story. And I I thank Darren Jones, my golf coach, for not only kind of setting a good perspective on what success and this podcast would mean to me rather than the world, but he also suggested, and I've talked to him about my, to a degree, some of my story and the feelings that I've had. And he said, at some point, I think it'd be cool if you could share your story. So coach, Now's the time, and I appreciate you urging me to do that and listening to me and caring about me enough to to make sure I'm okay. So thank you so much. Uh, So here's my story. Uh, Since seventh grade, I wanted to do, I wanted to be the next Paul Keels. I wanted to do Ohio State football and basketball on the radio. August of 2011, I just graduated college a couple months earlier. I got a call from, I think it was the marketing director at Ashland. Her name was Rachel Bixler. She's like, hey, you want to come and call a football game or two? Hell yeah. She goes, we want to hire you. Hell yeah. (laughs) 
And so I got my dream job. And I've told everyone, I got my dream job. I just got the school wrong. So I was hired to come back to where I went to college and did radio and TV for four years and do Ashland's football, men's and women's basketball on the radio. Dream job. Got it at 22 years old. So I called my parents, said, I got bad news and I got good news. My mom goes, oh, my God, did you crash the car? It's a brand new car. Mila just got her two months ago. No, Mom, car's good. I'm good, too. Uh, but I won't be home for your birthday. Why is that? Well, the good news is I got a job. And I think that's the whole point of college is you got to get a job. And I got one. It was a dream job. And I told her why I wasn't going to be there for our birthdays because her her birthday is a day before mine. She's over the moon happy. So was I. But as I've been told, I'm a bit of a pessimist. <laughs> but I think this was a realistic view. And I, I just worried and I told her is, yeah, this is great. But what happens when this is over? You don't know when it's going to be over. It could be a year. It could be, for me, it was five more years. It could be 20 years. But what am I going to do with my life when this chapter is over? It was a, it was a concern of mine because I never dreamt past doing radio and TV. Never. I wanted to do it since I was 13 years old. Every elective class I took in high school was somehow related to radio or TV. Could it help me? Yes, take it. Would it not help me? I'm out. So that day, the day that I was worried about, I I had to leave radio. March the 12th, 2016, I was calling the Ashland men's basketball NCAA tournament first round game up in somewhere in the frozen tundra of America. And the great thing about March Madness is when you're watching as a fan is just the excitement level and the passion and the energy that these kids put into it to try to continue to keep their season alive. Survive in advance. Survive in advance. That's all they say in March. But the thing that really hurts is if you're in it, if you're a coach, if you're a player, and I'll even throw me in this example because Coach urged me to believe that I was a part of the team, and I thank Coach every day for at least making me feel like a part of it even though I wasn't out on the floor. When you're in that level and you're invested that much, the hard part about March Madness is the the finite and just definitive end to a season, for others a career, and for me, my broadcast career and dream. March 12th, 2016, 311th game I called, and it was over just like a snap of a finger. And from that point on, over six years, I pretty much lost who I was. I lost my identity. I was basically dead man walking for six years. I didn't know what I was going to do next. I didn't really have a meaning for my life. I didn't have a purpose for it either. And it's extremely defeating to basically just go through a day, to try to get through a day, every day, for, for me it was six years. Now, I never got to the point that Harry Miller got to. And I'm very blessed by that. I'm very happy that it wasn't to that point. But I'm a damn good actor. I've told a lot of people that. I'm a damn good actor. I'm assuming I could be wrong. Maybe I'm not that good of an actor. But I'm assuming for a lot of people maybe listening to this that know me, this might be a shock to you. Uh, Because I'm out on the golf course and I'm looking happy. Sometimes I'm not. At tailgates and at Buckeye games, that's honestly, that was my sanctuary. Outside of obviously church. But 
man, Ohio State games, they just do something to me differently. And I, again, I thank my grandpa for that so much. Um, but I don't think a lot of you would know that I'm, I haven't been the best version or even a C plus version of myself. It's been tough. And I've been fighting depression, different severity levels of it since March the 12th of 2016. And it's gotten to the point where I, I, you lose interest in things that you love. I've played seven rounds of golf this year. Seven. I usually play 30 a year from like April to August. I've played seven. Um, so it's been dark. It's been hard. And it's not been easy. And just because I've gotten this new job and one that I'm extremely excited about and blessed to have the opportunity and maybe relieved <laughs> as well, it's not to say that I won't have some tough days down the road. That's expected. But I think the maybe the first point that I want to make is uh, without my faith and without my family and my friends, I, I don't know. I'm scared to think of how much worse it could be. Could it have been, maybe I should say. Um, I've had two really good friends of mine, maybe my two best friends. Uh, I have one brother, but there's a Bible verse I have on my Facebook page. It's from Proverbs 17, 17. It says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. So I have one brother by blood. We're close, happy about that. But I've also got about six or seven brothers that I'm not related to, and two of them have dealt with, fought through, I'm happy to say, overcome depression at its darkest. And I'm so happy and I'm so grateful to God that both of them were able to get through that. And I don't think either one of them have looked back. They're so happy now. Um, but I was in the foxhole with both of them. And... I'm not sharing their names because it's not my story to tell and it's it's not important. But I was there for them. I saw, I heard, I felt their pain. And I wish that on nobody. But we fought through it together. We powered through, figured it out. And they're good. They're great. And I'm so happy that they're great. Um, but the cool thing is to try to look at the positive here. When they were on that dark road, I was there with them. When the roles reversed and I have been on that dark road, they were there for me too. So in the Kenny Chesney song, uh, The Boys of Fall, anyone can be there when times are good and when things are great. But when things are tough, where do you stand? I think is what the coach says in the video. But you also, when times are tough, see and really your true friends are revealed when the mm hits the fan. And I I got a lot of I got a lot of brothers that were there for me when the mm was on the fan and not blowing off the fan. Uh, but my first message is, regardless 
of how bad it is, it's never too dark, and there's always a way. Um, you got to be stubborn. You got to keep fighting. If if you only have thirty percent in your tank, give thirty percent. Some days for me, it was so hard and so tiring. I was so tired, but I could never fall asleep. And hopefully, no one understands that because that means you felt like me or my two buddies. But it was so hard some days, I would wake up, my eyes would open, and it was to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm just going to roll over to the other side of the bed, look for the remote, turn the TV on, and just let it just be on. And I didn't really watch it, but it just kind of kept me company. I didn't have the energy to get out of bed. And it never for me got to the point, like my couple of buddies or for Harry Miller never got to that point for me and I'm very blessed to, to say that and I hope it hopefully calms some of you down to at least assure you that it wasn't the worst sure as hell wasn't the best but I kind of went down the road a little bit further with my thoughts I had always wondered and I would think late at night when my mind wouldn't shut off I would always wonder if anyone would really care if I was gone And that might shock some people, but that's just the truth. I'm just going to share my story. And again, I'm not looking for pity. I'm not looking for praise. I'm trying to help. But, you know, like when Dwayne Haskins passed away, I I think the thing that always makes it really sad for me is after like the initial shock and then maybe after the funeral, everyone just kind of moves on. And maybe it's selfish of me, but I just hope that people wouldn't just move on. And, and that's kind of where I went, and that's where I thought is. I wonder if I touched people or made a difference or they're affected by the absence that could be, whenever that would be. And again, it sounds deep, it sounds dark, but hey, that's, that's the truth. Life isn't always easy. Um, but it never got to that point where the worst was an option. I'm stubborn. I'm a competitor. And for me... The worst, I don't even like saying the word, but the worst is a loss. And I'm so glad that I have my faith that's taught me that that's not an option. Because at the end of the day, with your life, regardless of how much money you make or how much square footage your house is or that new boat sitting in the front yard that just maybe not used all that often, but you got it anyway. Your life, my life, that's not the purpose. The purpose is to, I think, follow God, live as best as you can like Him, be an example for others that's Christ-like, and then hopefully bring some other people to the good side when when their last days on earth is up. That's the point. Salary, not important. Right now, it might be a little important, thanks to gas prices and nothing on the shelves. I get that. That's a reality. But that's not the most important thing. Square footage, not important. Beamers, BMWs, Lexus, not important. So for me, I just had no identity, no purpose, no meaning. And I'm working for six years in a field that I just don't like. Every day, you're hearing... Everyone's worst story, 
how they can't drive or how they got hit or how they did this to their house. And after six years, hopefully people aren't surprised that I'm probably a pessimist. How can you be optimistic every day when you hear that? Again, it's not an excuse, but that's just part of when you he, when you are around anything. If you're around people that drink, there's a chance that you're probably going to start drinking. If you are around people that smoke or drive too fast, chances are you're going to do that. Colin Coward always says, "Be careful about your life. Your life is a resume. Be careful what you put on it." It's also about who you associate with. Same thing. But it's also about what you associate with. And for me, for the last six years, I've been around negativity directly for six years. So it shouldn't come to a surprise that I haven't been the most optimistic. But I'm telling you, folks, Sunday through Friday was just miserable for me because I knew Sunday at about four o'clock, I knew what awaited me Monday morning. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, same thing. Just tough. I'm amazed people that can work in claims don't want to just drink bleach every day. So Friday rolls around and you have no energy left from the week. So you just kind of sit in your chair and you just zone out. And you watch a lot of impractical jokers to get your energy level back up to like sea level where you don't feel like you're drowning. And then for me personally, I put so much emphasis and importance on Saturday to make it perfect. Because you knew Sunday at four, it's back, it's back to the tough. And then if Saturday doesn't go well, if you play bad on the golf course, well, lost another day. So it's just tough. And again, I think I'm a good actor. Maybe I'm not as good as I thought, but I tried my damnedest to make people think I was doing all right. Because no one wants to be around someone that's negative and exhausted and just not happy. But it's that fine line of being yourself but also trying to be happy for others and be honest. And the thing that always kills me is this interaction with people in the world of, it's just such a laissez-faire interaction of, if you see someone you know, hey man, how are you? Good. That's it. I think a lot of people need to, when they ask that question, listen to the answer. And if you don't believe that their answer when they say they're good is the truth, ask again. Hey, man, how are you? I'm all right. Are you sure you're all right? You want to talk about it? How are things going? I mean, it's just tough. And then when they say that, if they open up to you, sit down and listen. Because I wouldn't want someone to feel like I've felt the last six years. Now, I've had a good group of people that have been around me that ask follow-up questions and maybe don't take my word as truth, and they, they kind of push me a little bit and I'm blessed for those people but I, I just wish more people would really listen to the answer instead of just doing the expected hey how are you good all right see ya it's like in lot or a dumb and dumber big gulps huh well see you later like that's the interaction that I wish more people would care about others to really be like hey are you, are you sure you're doing all right uh, I, I that would be lesson two really check in and, and check on your people because COVID, again, it isolated a lot of people. And I think we as people are designed to be in community and not by ourselves. So check on your friends, check on your family, make sure they are doing okay. And if they say they're good, 
make him confirm it. Uh, so it was it was dark for me, and you just you keep fighting, you keep pushing, and you keep trusting in God and His timing and His plan. And again, you can doubt it sometimes, and I think that's normal. It's a little uncomfortable for me because I I'd, I'd like to believe all the time that He's got it, but sometimes it's just it's kind of tough to see the writing on the wall. But you just got to keep believing. So. I think where it kind of turned for me, um, as my golf coach said, hey, at the right time, maybe you should share your your story. In the church world, it's like your testimony. And I think the best testimonies are the ones from people that are furthest from God. And I think maybe in just a life testimony, it's when you're furthest maybe from happiness or your meaning or your purpose. And I started to turn a corner when I stopped trying to figure it out on my own. Guys are really good at just trying to figure it out on their own and fix everything, and I don't need any help. I know I lost two fingers making this deck, but I'll I'll go to the emergency room after it's done. I don't need those two fingers anyway. Um, when I when I stopped trying to figure it out on my own, and through a really good friend of mine, she just suggested, and these two friends that I referenced earlier, they had suggested, but maybe more urged me to go and talk to someone uh, but she were very similar we're a lot alike we've been friends forever she said hey i've gone to this therapist she's awesome she's a christian here's her contact information use this if you need it and i really don't like people telling me what to do i don't know why that is but she didn't do that at all she was just hey here's a resource Here's a way to hopefully make it better. And I think I started going in January and I was just like, I, I can't do this anymore. I had to process a terrible relationship with a person that was just, as I should put it like a Christian would, just not a great person. Let's put it that way. Um, had to process another pursuit of a relationship, which that's kind of where I got my idea to send the bills to Stephanie. <laughs> that That's where I got it from. I still think it's a brilliant theory, uh, but I've been going since January. I go about twice a month, and she's challenged me to process the those failed one failed relationship and a pursuit of another. Uh, help me figure that out. Uh, she's really helped me try to find the next passion and to not feel that I'm just stuck in insurance for the rest of my life. And that radio or my, just because my dream and my passion is in the past doesn't mean I can't find another. And she just helped me with maybe, and I'm still working on a lot of this, by the way, but she's also challenged me to be a little bit more self-compassionate. I give, I think, a lot of compassion to others, but I'm really hard on myself. Um, I can be negative. I try to make jokes at my expense so I don't get too big-headed, if that makes any sense. But just to give myself a little bit more grace, which is ironically the name of my church, uh, but to be a little bit more self-compassionate and just like, dude, extend the leash a little. You're not perfect. I'm a perfectionist, but I'm terrible at that. But she just helped me with a lot of that. And she, I think, was the final piece to the puzzle for me pushing this podcast across the finish line. She asked me, hey, why don't you try to get back into radio? And I applied for a morning radio host position at the local Christian station here, which I didn't even get an interview. I'm like, 
good God. They can't even get an interview in a field I'm good at. So that was that was hard. But she's like, well, there's got to be a way you can do it without it being a job as a hobby. And I kind of told her about the podcast. She goes, do it. And, and I did. <laughs> so, and I think this podcast really helped me stand out as I was applying for this job with the Ohio Sports Group. I mean, I'll get to be working with autographs, uh, private signings, working the Buckeyes and the Browns games with sales. I'll help with sales and processing orders and helping with their website and social media platforms. It's it's perfect. But I think this podcast really made a difference and got me closer to that finish line that I, for the to be honest with you, didn't believe whatever would ever be seen. It was always, there was no light at the end of the tunnel and I'm just Andy Dufresne in my cell up on the third floor. So I feel that photo of Andy Dufresne very closely. So I got two things to finish on and I think it's just important, as Coach always said, it's all about people. I've used the phrase, I appreciate you a lot more over the last five or six years just to make me feel like I'm closer to Coach and she just taught me a lot. So I want to thank a lot of people and show my appreciation to all of you. And I'm probably leaving some people out, and I'm really sorry if I do. Uh, but I, I obviously I have to thank God first. I It scares the hell out of me to think how much harder the last six years could have been without my faith and without God. Uh, I don't pray every day. I'm not great at reading the Bible. Um, I'm not the model Christian, but I do my best. And he's given me some way more grace than I deserve. And I just don't know how people go through life without without faith. I really don't. And I pray that the people that don't have it maybe listen to this and know. Here's the thing. Just because I have my faith does not make me immune from tough times. But I'll tell you this. It's a heck of a lot easier to have your faith to get through those tough times than if you don't. So if anyone is struggling in their faith, keep trusting in God. And if you don't have a faith or if you don't have a relationship with God, find one and find one quickly, please. And if you don't know how to do that, text me. I'll help you go church shopping. And I'm, I will be honest with you, first church we go to, Grace Fellowship in Pickerington. The people there, unbelievable. I will probably never move from Columbus because of that church. And that's not hyperbole. It's important, folks. So, yeah, you have to live a different, you have to live a little bit differently than the rest of the world. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, when your last day on earth is up and you're up in heaven with God, all's good in the world. Um, next, I, I really like to thank my parents because, you know, they were allowing me, they were giving me the opportunity to go chase that first dream of radio and TV. I was able happily to accomplish that. And they easily could have just sat at home and listened to me on the radio for home games, but they they came up and they were in person, and they, like uh, Kelsey Peer's dad, uh, listened to me while they were in the gym or the football stadium, watched and listened. And honestly, though, for the last six years, the thank you is more of thank you for just dealing with me and putting up with me and your patience. I know they wouldn't say it that way, but that's the truth. Um, so thank you. Uh, to my two buddies that had really struggled with depression, and it was it was on the Harry Miller scale. Uh, I hate the fact that you guys had to go through that. I'm so blessed that I could be there with you, and I'm so happy that you're past that and you have 
never look back. And you guys are both in a much better place. And I wish you nothing but the best still. And if it gets a little bit tough, you guys know that I'm going to be there with you. We'll we'll fight it together. But man, the two of you, I think we both would agree, the three of us would agree that we need to hang out. And it doesn't need to be, hey, are you doing all right? Hey, let's let's do this to try to get you through. We deserve a beer and a cheers and just kind of sit back and go, oh, it's over. We deserve that. And I'm so blessed that you guys are some of my best friends. I thank you for being there for me. I'm so happy I could be there for you. And let's just move forward. Uh, to my friend, one of my best friends, and one of the people that I'm just so blessed to have in my life. Uh, thank you for the suggestion and not like a, hey, you need to go do this. Thank you for just your kindness and your ability to open up to me and tell me that you go to this therapist. I don't know why that's such a hard thing for people to to say. Uh, it's like taboo almost. I don't know why that is. Uh, but thank you for suggesting that to me and being kind and just kind of gentle with the suggestion and just sharing your story. That saved me a ton. Um, and then to the therapist, I don't think I can say her name, just, you know, doctor-patient confidentiality, but just for pushing me and challenging me and putting up with me. And then maybe just to suggest that I do this podcast and give me something to do to get away from the tough times. I stay up late a lot doing this. I was up till 4.30 editing uh, the one with Coach and McKenzie. It's not because, you know... I just needed something to do, and I enjoy it. I think I'm good at it. Um, but doing this saved me from a lot. Uh, to my golf coach, Darren Jones, again, um, for not hating me for quitting the golf team as a freshman, for still treating me like a, a member of the team, to all those guys on the team that uh, I'm still really close with. I love going to these weddings and having the AU golf photo. That means a ton to me. Uh, Coach, you recruit some good people, and uh, I'm grateful that we can still talk about Ohio State and make fun of Tate Martell and you know <laughs> celebrate Brian Hartline and his recruiting and all these five star receivers stuff like that. But I'm I'm more grateful and thankful for our friendship and for you just caring and listening to me and suggesting that I share the story. And I I really hope I truly hope and pray that this in part people that listen can't relate to this story but if you can i hope that this is of help to you and it can set at least an example and give you some motivation to keep fighting uh, so thank you coach um there's a guy at church good friend of mine uh, he has a son who now has a daughter and he i think he's told my mom a couple times it's like i really wish my son was like matt and I don't like hearing that because over the last six years, I wouldn't want anyone to feel the way I felt. Um, I appreciate the compliment, and I think there are some good things that maybe people can emulate uh, about me. But like I said, I'm a good actor. I know what's going on on the inside, and it's it's not something that I would want people to be like me. Um, so if anyone out there is feeling like you're a good actor or if you can relate to anything that I've said, reach out to me, to somebody, be courageous and brave like Harry Miller and set your set your pride aside, man. Like, 
it's important. Uh, I also got to thank and appreciate everyone that's done this podcast because I, I think this was a huge um, piece to this puzzle. Um, it wasn't it wasn't the reason I got the job. God was the reason I got the job, but this this played a part in it. So anyone and everyone that's taken the time, I know it was maybe just a couple hours for you. Uh, I think it's a good idea, but you guys had to jump on board and help execute the idea. So to to Matt Porter, to my to my guy Andy Podolak, all you guys are my guys. But uh, Kevin Berger, Evan Evan Bentley. Uh, Marky Mark, Mark Scott Jr., uh, Brandon Metzgar, B. Jinks, the rapper himself, Brendan Jenkins, my brother Chris, um, <laughs> Lance, and maybe Chug, uh, to Sue Ramsey, Mackenzie Miller, to the two that will be on here in just a moment after we're after I'm done blabbing, uh, to Tyler Reed, uh, who joined as a guest. And then anyone else that I'm, I'm still going to do this, by the way, I'm not pulling the plug just because I got a job. The people that are doing it in the future and the people that are on today, uh, you guys played a part in this. So, you know, when a quarterback wins the Heisman Trophy, it's not just the quarterback. It's the O-line, it's the coordinators, it's his head coach, uh, it's his family, it's everybody. And everybody played a part in this. Like Coach said, everybody's got a role and every role is important and valuable. And, and you guys played a huge role in this, so thank you. Um, and lastly, I... For the people that I don't know that prayed for me once every day over the last six years, or really just in general, uh, I just want you to know that your prayers are answered. And I, I hope this story gives you some hope that, you know, if your son is struggling or their kid is struggling, whatever, just keep fighting, keep praying, trust God. His plan, his timing is perfect. Last thing I want to share. Uh, it's a story. It's a message. I just want to end. I was always fascinated when I was in college about columns and the endings of columns because it kind of wraps up everything and kind of gives you that, you know, fist pump at the end. So hopefully I can do this for you here. The last message I want to provide is you keep fighting. Never quit. Be stubborn. And find a way. There is always a way. And you might have to put in some time. You might have to put in some effort. You might have to shed some tears. But always fight. Never quit. And I'll give you a story as to why. I'm in my uh, previous company's golf league because there's some really good people in that golf league. And I'm a competitor. I'm a, I just love competition. I hate to lose. And I take way too much pride in my golf. And so we're in the golf league, and I'm on the 17th hole, I'm down two points, and I won't go into why or the rules behind it. I'm down two points with two holes to play. Urgent times. And I'm playing this kid who's new to the league. He's a lefty. He's younger than me, which most people are now. Actually, no, in the golf league, I'm like the second youngest person, so I'm, I'm living it up. But he's younger than me, and he's new. And I'm like, I'm, I have to give this kid three strokes. And this kid hits it on the screws every time. I'm Mr. Mr. Hit it off the toe every time. But I'm giving him three strokes, and he's beat me by two. I'm like, I'm not letting this kid beat me. It's just, it's not, it's not an option. I'm going to keep fighting. And if nothing else, if he does, I'm going to give him one hell of a competition. He's going to have to earn it. So he, like, tops his tee shot on 17. 
And I was like, maybe I have this like tiger presence. I wasn't wearing red, but I'm like, maybe he feels it. Topped his tee shot, kind of chunked the next one. He made double. I made par on 17. Got the point. Down one, one to go. I'm walking 18. I'm like, let's go, baby. Like, keep fighting. And I, I won't say how I said it. I'm like, never freaking quit. And it's pouring down rain, by the way. Detail that I should have said before I told him, told you about 17. It's pouring down rain. And so he slices his ball into the left woods. Keep going. Now, this this rain, like, it's tough to hold on to your club. And I kind of lost the grip of mine on my downswing. And if you're not a golfer, you wouldn't know what thin means. But it's basically the bottom of the club face. Not an ideal spot to put ball to club. But it kept it straight. And it was very short of a tee shot. I had about 150 in. The hole's like, I don't know, 360. It was quite embarrassing. But I saw him and his second shot hit out. I didn't see the ball because it was so rainy. I'm like, it's not on the green. So I'm sitting there. I'm 150 out. Up the hill, adds about 10 yards, pouring down rain. Perfect eight iron. Played at about 160. Flag is about three or four paces off the left, middle of the green. I'm like, it's go time, baby. Like, keep fighting. Never freaking quit. You know, let's let's win this. And I might have hit one of my best eight irons in my life. Pouring down rain. It looked sexy. Get up to the green. I don't know where his ball is. I think he chipped it short, chipped it on. He's lying four. I'm flag high, six feet right of the hole. He makes double. So I was going to win the hole, obviously. Even if I two-putt, I, I win the hole, so I get that point. But the final point, you play out of 10 points, the final point would have gone to him if I parred because I was giving him three strokes. And the way that the scores were, uh, you would basically take his handicap, whatever his handicap was, you'd subtract that from a score. He would have beat me if I missed this putt. So I'm either making the putt and winning the match or missing the putt and losing the match. And I, it's in the rain, and you, you just dial it up, and you dial it in, and you focus, and you fight. And I kept telling myself, never freaking quit. I jarred the damn thing. And I was always kind of given a hard time in high school when I made those type of putts where I did like the tiger fist pump and just because I care. And there's a lot of passion inside of me that I can't hold in. I gave one of those fist bumps, and it wasn't because I won the match. It's not like I was playing for money. It was basically pride, but for me, it was, it was kind of an exclamation point and proof that you cannot quit. You have to keep fighting, regardless of the circumstances and regardless of whatever has happened previously. And for me, it's been the last six years. And I made that putt. It was beautiful, right in the heart, in the freaking rain, and I felt like Andy Dufresne. And that's why I posted that photo, because I just felt that photo so closely. And I'm driving home, and I'm like, never freaking quit. And I was almost mad that I won, but it was just like a, like a pump up. Like, this is a springboard, just like this podcast hopefully is to your weekend. I'm like, you just got to keep going. You got to keep fighting. So if you're struggling... And if it's dark, and if it's hard, and you're exhausted but you can't sleep either, keep fighting and never freaking quit.